Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Writers of the Tumbling K, written by Louis L'Amour. This is an overlooked novel-length work that Louis L'Amour wrote as a series of three novelettes over a five-year period from 1947 to 1951. This audiobook edition is now available to L'Amour fans who prefer listening to rather than reading his enigmatic stories about the taming of the West. With his ear for cowboy jargon and his feel for the wide-open spaces, L'Amour has created a wholly fictional but entirely real setting for his stories and created characters that seem as real as if they truly lived. More so than many stories in their genres, though not originally intended to be read aloud, they benefit from it greatly. It's almost like listening to an old-timer who lived through those adventures recounting them around a campfire or in a rocking chair on a shady front porch. Randall Schaefer has the perfect voice to make these stories and characters ring true. His slight rural twang effortlessly transports the listener to yesteryear and the hard-scrabble living conditions that existed for the inhabitants of that region. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Writers of the Tumbling K. Book One McQueen of the Tumbling K. Ruth Kermit's Story. Chapter One Ward McQueen reined in the strawberry roan and dug for the Macons. His eyes squinted against the sun as he stared across the moving herd toward Kim Sartain who was hazing a pair of restless steers back to the mass of tossing horns. Bud Fox loped his horse out of the dust along the flank of the herd, and then walked him up the slope. Digging out his papers, he reached for McQueen's tobacco. "'Recollect that old Brindle Ladino with the scarred side?' he said. "'This here's his range, but we ain't seen hide nor hair of him.' "'That mossy horn?' Ward glanced cynically at Fox. "'Reckon I won't forget him too quick.' He's probably back in one of them canyons. You cleaned him out yet? Uh-huh, we have. Baldy and me both worked in there. No sign of him. Makes a body plumb curious. Yeah. Ward's brow puckered. Ain't like him not to be down here making trouble. Missed any other stock since I've been gone? Fox shrugged. If there's any missing, it can only be a few. But you can bet, if that old crowbait's gone, some others went with him. He ramrods a good-sized herd all by himself. Baldy Jackson joined them on the grassy slope. The cattle were moving steadily down the widening valley. Kim Sartain and the long-eared Tennessee were enough to keep the herd moving. Working them out of the cedar breaks in the canyons had been the job. Baldy jerked his head back toward the nearest canyon mouth. Seen some mighty queer tracks over yonder, he said. Like a man afoot. We'll have a look. Ward McQueen touched a spur to the roan and loped it across the narrow valley. Jackson and Fox fell in behind him. The canyon mouth was narrow and high-walled. It was choked with tumbled boulders and dense brush, with only a dry watercourse making a winding trail down the canyon floor. In the spread and fan of sand where the watercourse emptied into the valley, Baldy swung down. Ward a big, wide-shouldered rider with keen eyes stared thoughtfully at the tracks. Yeah, he muttered. They do look odd. 
Got him some homemade footgear. Wonder if that's man blood or critter blood. Turning, he followed the tracks back up the narrow water course. After a few minutes, he stopped. Uh-huh, he's hurt. Look at them tracks headed this away. Fairly long, steady step. I reckon he's a tall man. Going back, the steps are shorter and he's staggering some. He stopped uh, twice in about twenty yards. Both times he leaned against something. Reckon we better follow him? Baldy squinted doubtfully at the jumble of boulders. If he don't aim to get kitched, he can make us a powerful lot of trouble. Uh-huh, Ward agreed, but we'll follow him. Baldy, you go back and help Kim. Tell him where we're at. Bud'll stay with me. Maybe we can trail this hombre down, and he should be grateful. It looks like he's bad hurt. They had moved along for a hundred yards or so when Bud Fox stopped, mopping perspiration from his face. He don't aim to be followed, he answered. He's making a try at losing his trail for us. Even tried to wipe out a spot of blood. Ward McQueen drew thoughtfully on his cigarette and glanced up the watercourse with keen, probing eyes. There was something wrong about all this. He'd been riding this range for almost a year now and believed he knew it well. Yet he remembered no such man as this must be and had seen no tracks. They moved on, working along the trail in the close, hot air of the draw. The tracks ended suddenly on a wide ledge of stone where the canyon divided into two branches. We're stuck, Bud said, puzzled. He won't leave no tracks with them makeshift shoes on this stone. There ain't nowheres he can go up either one of them canyons that I know of. The right-hand branch ended in a steep, rocky slide, impossible to climb in less than hours of struggle up the shifting rock. The left branch ended against the sheer faces of a cliff, against whose base were a heaped-up jumble of boulders and rocky debris. He must have doubled back, Fox suggested doubtfully. Maybe he hid in the brush. Ward threw his cigarette down in disgust. Reckon he don't aim to be found, he remarked. But wounded like he is, he'd better be. He'll die sure as shooting. Turning their horses, they rode back down the canyon to rejoin the herd. Ruth Kermit was waiting on the ranch house steps when they left the grassy bottom and rode up to the bunkhouse. With her was a slender, dark man in a frock coat and black trousers. He wore a new white hat. As Ward McQueen walked his horse up toward the steps, he saw the man's quick, cold, all-encompassing glance take him. Ward, Ruth said, This is Jim Yount. He's buying cattle and wants to have a look at some of ours. Howdy, Ward said agreeably. He glanced at Yount's horse, and then his eyes more speculative at the man's tied-down guns. Two more men were sitting on the steps of the bunkhouse. A big, square-bodied man in a checkered shirt and a slim redhead with a rifle over his knees. We're wanting to buy five hundred to a thousand head, Yount said. Heard you had some good stock. Beef? No, stock in a ranch. I'm locating on the other side of the Newtons. Ward looked at him and nodded. Well, we've got some cattle, he said. Or rather, Miss Kermit has. I'm just the foreman. Oh? Yount looked around at the girl with a quick, flashing smile. Widow? No. She flushed a little. My brother and I came here together. He was killed. Kind of hard for a girl running a cow ranch alone, ain't it? He smiled sympathetically. Miss Kermit does mighty well, Ward suggested dryly. 
and she ain't exactly alone. Oh? Jim Yount glanced at McQueen thoughtfully, one eyebrow lifted. No, he said after a minute. I don't expect one could rightly say she was alone as long as she had some cowhands on the place or cattle. Ruth's eyes widened a little at the sudden tightening of Ward's mouth. Mr. Yount, she interrupted hastily. Wouldn't you like to come in for some coffee? Then we could talk business. When they'd gone inside, Ward turned on his heel and strode back to the bunkhouse. He was mad and didn't care who knew it. The thin-faced rider with the red hair glanced at him as he drew near. What's the matter, friend? he asked. Somebody take your girl? Ward McQueen halted and turned his head. Baldy Jackson got up hastily and moved out of line. It was a move which brought him alongside the corner of the bunkhouse and put Yount's two riders at the apex of a triangle, of which McQueen and his self formed the other two corners. Miss Kermit, McQueen said coldly, is my boss. She's also a lady. Don't get any funny notions. The redhead chuckled. Yeah, and the boss is a ladies' man. He knows how to handle them. Deliberately, he turned his back on Baldy. Ever been a foreman on a spread like this, Dodson? Maybe you or me'll have us a new job. For an instant, Ward hesitated. Then he turned on his heel and walked into the bunkhouse. Bud Fox was loitering by the window. He straightened as McQueen came in. Ward saw that he, too, had been watching the pair. Don't seem like they want to make friends, Bud suggested, pouring warm water into the wash basin. Like they might even want to start trouble. Ward glanced at the young cowhand thoughtfully. What would be the idea of that? he demanded. Yet, curiously, he wondered over it. Certainly the attitude of the two wasn't typical of the West. He glanced toward the house and his lips tightened. Jim Yount was a slick-looking gent. He was a smooth talker and probably a woman would think him good-looking. He sat down on the bunk and dug out the Makins. Out there beyond the ranch house was a distant light. That light would be in Gelvin's store down to Manor House. Gelvin had ranched the country beyond the Newtons. Suddenly McQueen made up his mind. After chow, he'd ride into Manor House and have a talk with Gelvin. Supper was a quiet meal except for Ruth and Jim Yount, who talked and laughed at the head of the table. Ward, seated opposite Yount, had little to say. Baldy, Bud, and Tennessee sat in strict silence, and Red Lund sat beside Pete Dodson, only occasionally venturing some comment. At the foot of the table, lean, wiry Kim Sartain let his eyes move from face to face. Ward left the table early and paused on the step to light a smoke. Kim moved up beside him. What goes on? he asked softly. Never seen everybody so quiet. Briefly, Ward explained. Then he added, Yount may be a cattle buyer, but the two hombres with him ain't ordinary punchers. That red lund is a gun slick if I ever saw one. And Dodson looks to me like an owl hooter. He drew on his cigarette. I'm riding into town. Keep an eye on things, will you? Sure thing. Kim's voice was dry, cold. That Lund, I don't like him myself. Then, glancing at Ward, Nor Yount, he said. 
We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Writers of the Tumbling K. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.